Daphne doesn't pray, uh, I say pray much, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Daphne doesn't cry much, but she cried twice uh, when we were away. Uh, once when we got to the airport and she uh, saw Joel, and the second time when we went to the airport and he said goodbye. So, there we go. Love. Love is the most powerful force in the world. Um, through what's gone on this morning, you can guess the title of my subject this morning. Through the prayers and the songs, and Dave even pinched my reading. Um, I want to talk about this extravagant, extravagant love of God. And how much... God loves us. Uh, I can't express it in a sermon. It's not possible. Like Dave said, you can't, you can't teach on it or preach on it. Love is experienced. And God has made us that we are desperate for love. It's part of... It's in our DNA... I don't care what people say. I don't care how macho people sound. People are made to be desperate for love. And that's all in the economy of God. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read that prayer that David uh, mentioned um, in Ephesians chapter 3. There were two prayers, wasn't there? One in chapter 1 of Ephesians where he prays that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened to spiritual things and he now is praying his second prayer which is that we would appreciate how much God loves us but not just to appreciate his love but that his love might so fill us that we become the lovers that God wants us to be <coughs> full of his love Ephesians 3.14 For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. When you were saved you were brought into a family whose Father is God. Father God. And he has a family of people who are on the earth today. Millions of people and millions who have gone before us. It says in heaven... And on earth, those in heaven have already gone on and we will meet with them one day. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his precious Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Christ is not a person who lives at a distance only. But through the person of the Holy Spirit, Christ himself, the Anointed One, lives inside of us. This salvation that you 
have entered into, that you have embraced, is far bigger than any human being could ever imagine. God, Christ, the anointed one living inside of us. And he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints. We do this stuff together. You cannot be a Christian and sit at home. It does not work. It was never designed to work in isolation of one another. You can be a believer, but you cannot be a Christian and stay at home. You must share your Christianity with other Christians to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And he says, as a result of this, now to, know, now to him who is able to, to do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine, according to his power, the power of the Spirit, the power of his love, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and forever. Amen. Amen. Paul prays that we be rooted and established in the love of God. The imagery is of a tree, of course. As a tree grows bigger and bigger and the roots go deeper and deeper, that tree becomes so established that the most forceful winds that could blow upon it do not shift it at all because it has deep roots. We too can have deep roots that go deep, deep, deep into the love of God. As we have these roots that know how much God loves us, whatever comes in life, we will never be moved away from him. Joel said, that when he went, he was afraid of lots of things. But as he gave himself in service to others, the fears disappeared. Amen. Perfect love, perfect love drives out fear. If you fear for a moment, you have more roots to go down so that we become so established in the love of God that nothing will shift us. God really does love me and you to such an extent we would never fathom it. Herman, come. Margaret, come. Serve your right, Margaret. <laughs> I'm going to always get my own back on you. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? With all my heart. Do you? 
I do. Who does God love the most? Margaret? Herman? Or me? He loves us all the same. <laughs> all the same. Because God's love for us is infinite. I cannot boast of what I'd done that might have won him more love. Margaret can't boast that she's been around a lot longer. <laughs> so God loves her more. Or that Herman has sacrificed more, that God would love him more. The truth is, we have the same value to God. There is neither slave nor free, man nor woman, black nor white. It doesn't feature in God's vision at all. His love is of the same value for every one of us. Thanks, guys. The second thing, he says, together with all your brothers and sisters and other Christians, we are to so lay hold of this love that fills us, that this love of God flows out of us and touches the lives of other people. There is a verse here that I have not believed all of my life, but I have believed it because I believe the word of God is true. And it says, And to know this love that surpasseth knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I thought that is not possible that a human being walking on the face of this planet can be filled to the fullness of the measure of God. But it must be true because Paul is praying that that will be a reality in our lives with the same love that God loves me that is infinite, I am expected to love other people. You go, it's impossible. You see, that's why I couldn't believe it. All of my life, I could not believe that that was possible. We could never be filled to such a fullness of God's love to be able to do this. <coughs> but it's true. It's true. Jesus was filled with the fullness of the love of God as an example for each of us. It's taken me most of my Christian life to work out that everything in the kingdom of God, everything is empowered and sustained and promoted by love. It is a force. It is the power of God that sustains everything. It is the power of God that holds you together. It is the power of God that is everything. Every life, every Christian life is a life that is empowered. 
It was made new by the love of God. Every Christian relationship, every relationship that we know or experience has to have the love of God poured into that relationship for it to work. Aren't there people you don't get on with? Rub you up the wrong way? Whose personalities you just can't cope with? That's it, you might as well be truthful. The truth is, though, the power of God's love within makes those people lovable. So if you don't love everyone yet, you've got some growing to do, some roots to go down, experiencing more of God in your life. Every church that is not held together by the love of God amongst the body of Christ is the most miserable place on the planet, I assure you. Because we believe it has the potential to be the most wonderful place it could be. But devoid of love within the individual, it's a terrible place to be. Jealousy, bickering, fighting, gossip. Jesus said, I will build my church. So there are some churches that he's building, and unfortunately there are some churches that he's not allowed to build. And they do not reflect the Son or the Father. Our salvation, our sanctification, our glorification is only the work of God's love in our life. Through his love, I was saved. The sanctifying work of God is to make me more loving. And one day when I see him, I will be glorified like him. And there will be one thing that will fill my heart more than anything else. It will be the pure, pure love that God has been trying to minister into my life, all of my life. When we're born as children, we're put into a family. In the ideal situation, there is a mother and a father who has desired this child, who who will love this child. The child will be the object of love. Maybe for 5, 10, 15 years, this child can do nothing wrong. This child will be forgiven for all its mistakes. This child will be supported and helped and loved, and the love of the parents will be poured into the very heart and life of the child. But the child gets to a point where he stops becoming the object of love, and becomes the essence of love. A time comes when it isn't all poured into us, but it starts to be poured out of us. Of course, we still need to be loved, and God loves us, and we need the love of others. But instead of being constantly objects of love we become the essence of love 
Love starts to flow from us. Do you know there is nothing more sick than a Christian who has had so much love poured into them, but they don't let any of it pour out of them. They are of all people most desperate, desperate, desperate people. When people meet you, they should meet the love of God. That's it. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. That's what this life is all about. That they actually meet the love of God. I'm going to look over my life this morning. It's taken me a life to learn some things. Maybe I haven't got many more opportunities to preach to you. I don't know. So maybe I'll count the things that are important to me that I will preach to you. The most important things that God has taught me in a life. I want to talk about three aspects of the love of God and how I've come to understand them. The first thing I want to look at is that love is beyond reason and understanding. The love of God is beyond reason and understanding. Number two, it is so extravagant when we talk about the height, the width, the depth, the breadth of it, we're talking in measurements of infinity. You cannot get to the end or the height or the depth or the width of his love. It is for infinity and so it is an extravagant love. I want to point you to this morning. And the third thing is, we have been entrusted with the privilege. This is, this is terrible. We have been entrusted by God with the privilege of demonstrating it. And the truth is that many people never experience the love of God because his children don't take it to them. They don't manifest it. See, God cannot just love people. He has to love people through people. And if we negate to let him to do that, millions and millions of people will never experience and know the love of God. In the 1980s, Daphne and I, with a team of others, we planted and pastored a charismatic church in Uxbridge. It was called the Open Door Church. We grew. It was the time of a charismatic renewal, and so we grew very fast. I do not take any credit for what God has done in my life. The best I did was cooperate with him. We grew to 400 people. See, I know more now than I knew then, so I knew very little then, so I can take no credit for anything that God did. We planted five churches 
in those early years. Two of them remained planted. The others could not sustain growth. We visited 12 nations. We went across the continents of the world with the gospel and the love of God. We did tent crusades. The church, when, when it was at its biggest, had 17 fellowship groups. And they were passionate, thriving groups. We had a ministry into Brunel University. Oh, there's so much. These were the few things that I just captured in my memory. There was so much more. By the mid-90s, 1990, all this was gone. It was gone. You say, how, where did it go? How can such a powerful, thriving, anointed, blessed church just disappear? Where did it go? Surely it had the ingredients to sustain itself, the power of God within it for years. God did something with Daphne and myself. He took us to Toronto. In Toronto, we came face to face with God in an amazing way. When we came back from Toronto, God started bringing a word to the church. The word to the church is you're to leave this ministry and go work amongst the vulnerable and the poor and the disadvantaged. We left the church, we had probably a budget of about £30,000. I was the only person receiving any salary. Within five years, we had a staff of nine, we had an active volunteer force of 30, we had two shops to support what we were doing, we had other businesses. We were running two soup kitchens. We had an annual turnover of £250,000 a year. I couldn't take credit for the first work of God. I most certainly wasn't going to take credit for the second work of God. Why would God do that? Can you understand why God would <coughs> close down a perfectly good, thriving, charismatic church with hundreds and hundreds of people in it to open up a ministry to drug addicts and the disadvantage? Can you explain that to me? Why would God do that? Why would God close something so charismatic and powerful to open up something dealing with weak and broken lives? His love 
for humanity is beyond reason and understanding. When we ministered to drug addicts, their lives were wrecked and ruined, and there would be no return on their life. None at all. They were shot to pieces. I know we read exciting books sometimes of someone who's had a terrible life and God does wonderful things with him and he has an international ministry and we think that is fantastic but that is not the norm. When you take a smashed life, smashed by drugs, smashed by sin, smashed by addiction and you minister to them, you're not even sure if they're saved or not. They don't become wonderful, charismatic, flying over the cloud Christians. They don't. They don't. And I'm not against flying over the cloud charismatics. God bless every soul whom God loves and saves. But why would he dispense of one to embrace another? There's no reason or understanding. I'm really not sure of the hundreds and thousands of lives that we touched in 10 or 15 years, whether one of them was ever born again. I don't know. But this one thing I know, they were loved by God. Amen. Amen. Because we love them. See, it's easy to love someone who jumps up and receives Christ and gets going. But what do you do with the drug addict who comes back and back and back and back? Those that are sleeping with others night after night after night. Those that are addicted to alcohol and all sorts of sin. And yet they keep coming back and back and back. Do you know what God taught me? God said, Philip, Daphne, there is virtue in just loving people. Do you know Sister Teresa and her whole mission... I'm not sure they converted anyone to Christ. But they would go out on the streets and as people were dying, they would sit with them and hold them and express to them the love of God. See, there is virtue. There is virtue in simply loving people. Paul said, My life has been poured out. For those years that we worked in Uxbridge, my life was poured out in love for people and I'm not sure whether anyone ever, in 10 to 15 years, ever got born again. I had to deal with that as an evangelical. See, there is virtue in just loving people. Do you get it? in just manifesting the love of God to people. 
You might never lead anybody to Christ, but by the power of God within, you can love people. You can love them. You say, is there any virtue in loving them? They go to hell. That's not your issue. Your issue is to love them. To love them. That's why God has poured his love into your hearts. Not that you might save the lost, but that you might love them. That's it. What would you want this church to be known for? It's fantastic worship. It's brilliant sermons. The number of people who got saved. Or the fact that it was the most loving church on the planet that the world ever had. I'll tell you what I want. I want a church where people are filled with the power of the love of God. What did Hong Kong teach us? The extravagance of God's love. (coughs) We haven't got pictures. This complex that we went to is like a village, small village, five great blocks of buildings with beautiful apartments, an enormous swimming pool, a gymnasium, a school, uh, a preschool, a fantastic place. Must cost millions of pounds, millions of pounds. And who live here? Joe said it. Youngsters excluded from school because they're troublemakers and schools will not take them. Drug addicts who for most of their lives have lived on the streets. Alcoholics. Desperate souls with destructive lifestyles. A complex costing millions. And these 80 people live there. There's about 40 workers. 40 of probably, and they're all over the world, these people, committed Christians. They've given up their home, given up their family, given up their church, given up their own nation to go there and to do what? Love. To love them. To love them. I don't know if Joel has ever led a soul to Christ in his life. I've known that he shared his testimony with the people that he worked with, but they were never falling on their knees and saying, Joel, Joel, what must I do to be saved? He's just loving them. And that's what all these other phenomenal, fantastic men and women are doing. They simply love them. They take people in whose lives are smashed and broken and they give them dignity and love and respect. What a waste of money. What a waste of a facility. What a waste of Christian workers. 
Think what they could do in the right place, in the right environment, with the right resources. Think what these wonderful Christians could do. They're already doing the most wonderful thing in the world. They are demonstrating the extravagance of God's love. The world talks about investment, return, profit and growth. I heard none of those words. It's the Stevens Fellowship. Just spent, wrecked lives and God investing hundreds of thousands <coughs> and the best people he could pick throughout the world to love them. Extravagant love. For the first time I realised while angels rejoice in heaven when one comes to Christ. You see, we've got a different value system to heaven. When one, one, one comes, they throw an exuberant party because the value of the one is the same and God is extravagant in his love what an extravagant God it was right what Jackie said to be a missionary doesn't mean a life of misery unnecessarily hardship or pain it isn't even a life of sacrifice do you know why because there is no sacrifice in love. Jesus was a sacrifice, but he didn't sacrifice anything by dying for you. He loved to do it. He loved to die for us because he was filled to the fullness of the measure of the love of God. The third point I want to make, and I'll finish here. God has placed upon us the privilege of demonstrating that love to people. It's a privilege. You don't have to be wise or articulate or wonderfully gifted, can sing or be a musician or can speak well or pray for hours, or what, or what, or what, or what. You just love. That's it. He pours it in, and you pour it out. That's it. That's it. The highest call. The highest call. And sometimes, those that are least able to do all the others, are the most able to do this. My head has got in the way so often 
The Sunday morning service is a fantastic thing. It is a place where in worship we sing love songs to God. And as we enter in, we receive a love flowing into our hearts. It is a place where we share a meal together to remind ourselves of the love of Christ. It's called a love feast. And he's called us to the table. Then we receive the word of God where the spirit of God might teach us and illuminate truth to us. But this is not the arena for demonstrating the love of God. It's not here. It's not here. You've got six days to do that out there. He reckons half an hour to an hour being filled with him is enough to empower you for the rest of the week. And as your tanks start to empty, you meet together with brothers and sisters so your tanks can be filled again for the purpose of pouring out the love of God. But if you don't and go from Sunday to Sunday without pouring the love out, you become a sick Christian. Sick in your soul. Sick in your mind. Even sick in your body. God has established through his church and through ministries worldwide millions, millions of ministry opportunities for you for the love that God has poured in your heart to pour out and touch others. I don't think I'm going to put my feet up in Hastings to you for one minute. <laughs> Not married to Daphne, you wouldn't. <laughs> But I don't want to, I don't want to put my feet up and become sick. I want to travel wherever God sends me and I want to love people. I want to love people with the love of God. That's it. That's the call of my life. Until the day I die, I want to love people with the love that God has poured into my heart. If it is in the context of a church, so be it. If it's not, so be it. If it's on the foreign field, so be it. If it's in Hastings Town, if it's ministering to the, the, the drug addicts and the demonized and the homeless or the children or old people, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The important thing is, my life is being poured out and the love in it is being poured out on a daily basis to touch the very lives of people that God wants to love, but he hasn't got a people to love them. How can God love someone 
unless we become his implements by which he can love. It's not possible. God loved you and brought you to himself through somebody bothering to love you. (coughs) He delivered you because someone bothered to get their hands dirty with demons. He healed you of your sick body because someone bothered to dedicate themselves to the ministry of healing and deliver you. See what a responsibility you have. What an awesome, awesome thing to be filled with the love of God. Cafe Rendezvous was not my idea. It was God's idea. God said it's fine that you have a church that meets on Sunday and they gather together and they worship me and they praise me and they love me but I need to give you something to do so that from Monday to Saturday you're in the workplace, you're in the marketplace and you're touching the lives of desperate people who need the love of God. It's no surprise we give it all away free, is it? I never saw those drug addicts paying for their dinner, did you Daphne? Or paying for their beds? Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. Love, you don't charge for love. You let it pour out of your very being. You give and give and give and give and give and with some strange way, God supplies all of your needs according to his glorious riches. Not so you can be a fat cat, but you can bless a sick world that needs the love of God. The cafe will close this week when the building is reopened. A new ministry will be birthed at the centre. It must not be a business. I will not be here to influence what it becomes. But it must not be a business. It must be a place where the most broken, lonely, isolated, fearful, depressed, helpless people can find a place to come and are made welcome and are loved by the body of Christ. My dream would be that there would be a place that would be open 24 hours a day that people knew, knew that they could come there and experience the wonderful love of God whether they get saved or don't get saved that is not the priority the priority is that they are apprehended by the love of God some will get saved and some definitely won't get saved but we love them we love them we love them we love them and I tell you when you open a community ministry all the level sensible people they're busy at work did you know that they're working earning more money to try and make themselves happy it is the desperate people that come it is the desperate that come it is those that have no work those that are not (coughs) mentally in a good place 
those that are old and lonely and fearful and downtrodden and depressed and despised, it is them that comes to such a place like Café Rendezvous. And I'm proud of it. I am proud of what God has done, what God has established, and the lives that he has touched through his ministry. If we do not let people, or God, love people through us, they will never know the love of God. God bless you. Stop it. Let's 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 st